Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where the wellness company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health/ffn. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with a wellness company. Again, use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health/ffn. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. broadcast of the Big Brown Gadfly. I have not been doing many broadcasts with the Big Brown Gadfly in recent weeks and months because I've been really busy working on my education project. If you want to come to this station, the GK podcast station, every Friday at 7.30 p.m. we're doing a series on the Bible and education. So we're going book by book through the Bible and talking about what that book has to do with education. We did numbers last week. We're doing Deuteronomy this week. So I have not been doing much of the Big Brown Gadfly, but I am on today because there is some stuff that is going on now in the Southern Baptist Convention, of which I am a part and of which my guest, Alan Atchison, is also a member. There's so much going on that we just have to talk about it. Uh, Right now, I know there's probably tons of people doing podcasts and video blogs, etc., about what's going on on the Southern Baptist Convention front. But Alan Atchison is the editor of Capstone Report, and he really has been covering these things more closely than just about anyone I know, with the exception of maybe Tom Littleton. These are the two people who really know the ins and outs of what's been going on in the Southern Baptist Convention going back for several years. And they're the experts that you really need to turn to to follow what's going on. Now, Alan Atchison is the editor of the Capstone Report, which can be found at capstonereport.com. And I really uh, recommend that you go to that uh, website if you want to be caught up on what's going on. But let me just first turn to Alan and say to Alan, uh, there are so many things that are going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. We know that there's a Supreme Court case or decision that came down We know that there's a lot of controversy around corruption in the mission boards. We know that the state conventions are corrupt. We know that LifeWay and the publishing racket is corrupt. 
We know the seminaries are rotten. We know that the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is a disaster. So why does plagiarism seem to be taking center stage right now? Why plagiarism? Why is that the issue that all of a sudden is waking people up where uh, people weren't awoken before? If you can just give a review of where we're at and why all of a sudden plagiarism is in all the headlines. I think plagiarism has become the issue because it involves the newly elected SBC president. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the issues are sometimes confusing or they're very deep theological issues, uh, or it requires people to understand the inner workings of a court case, like the one that just recently uh, had the Supreme Court decision. So those require kind of a a tight attention span, a willingness to uh, put forth a little bit of effort. But Plagiarism, stealing someone's words, borrowing them, and then probably even more importantly than that, lying about that to cover it up, which is what Ed Litton did, um, that's easy to understand. People can, can immediately grasp what's going on, and they know, hey, a pastor's not supposed to do that. They're not suppo- a pastor's not supposed to steal someone else's words and pass it off as his own, which is mm-hmm. what he has done multiple times. And I'm going to say it was not just um, the Sermon on Romans. I feel pretty confident this is dates back many years. I think uh, more will come out in time about that. And I think um, then you go to the next phase. It's the cover-up. It's sort of like going back to Watergate. We've we've been Mm -hmm. calling this Sermon Gate. Well, what was it about Watergate? More than the break-in, it was the cover-up. And that's what ultimately Ed Litton has been doing. He he told one story to the Washington Times that oh we're going through web hosting change and we're doing it. We mm-hmm. took some old things down to save space, but you can find the old sermons up on YouTube, which is false. They took down mm-hmm. the old sermon, left up the new sermons. Right. But going a bit more further back, that statement of his conflicts with the one that was given the previous day by the elders of his redemption church that said, we took it down. We took these old sermons down to protect uh, from people who were trying to line our pastor. They can't both, both these statements can't be true. So I think we're on pretty safe say uh, the elders had no reason, really no motivation to protect themselves in the statement they issued. In fact, it kind of made them look bad. So, most likely the liar here is Litton because the, the, mm-hmm. the statement gave to the Washington Times is just absurd on its face because we, we know some details are wrong. And it can, since it's in conflict of what the, what the elder said, Litton's a liar. And right. Whether well, okay. Let me just. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. 
It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Oh, yeah. Let me just sort of so that if anyone is listening and they just don't know who these people are, I just want to give a real quick uh, explanation, an index to what Alan is talking about. Ed Litton just got elected the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was a surprise victory. He's much more liberal than the other people who were running. And he just was sworn in uh, two weeks ago. And almost immediately, he was brought to all of these different mainstream media networks like CNN and MSNBC. And he was cast as this foil against the evil conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention. And then lo and behold, seven days into his tenure as president, people find videos of these lectures that he's been giving, these sermons at his church, which are identical in nature to the sermons of the outgoing president, J.D. Greer. Is that a fair assessment? That's exactly Alan? right. And, yeah. And and yeah. then when, when it was brought to people's attention, uh, at first they ignored it, then it got more and more attention. And then all of a sudden, a lot of the videos disappeared from the website. And then it became, why did, where did the other videos go? Can we see them? How far back does this plagiarism go? Right. So it, it looks as though uh, there is dishonesty uh, on a certain level, um, not only on the part of Ed Litton, who is the new president, uh, you know, who looks bad because if you're a pastor and you cannot write your own sermons, that's not a good sign and definitely not very, uh, uh, it doesn't, give us a lot of confidence about your ability to lead the Southern Baptist Convention. But it also points to the corruption in J.D. Greer, who's the outgoing president, who delivered the sermons that were copied by Lytton. J.D. Greer's sermons came first. I think there's up to six of them, five or six. Is that correct, Alan? Um, uh. That 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 seemed to be identical. But J.D. Greer came forward and said that he was not offended uh, and it was okay because he gave Ed Litton permission to use his sermons without acknowledging where they came from. And that, to me, is, that, that turns our perspective. Now, this is not just a case of plagiarism as in Ed Litton stole someone else's work. Now we have to ask, why is it that these two men who are very powerful an outgoing and an incoming president of the largest Protestant denomination, they're treating this dishonesty as if the only obligations exist between the two of them. And they're not treating this dishonesty as a dishonor to God and of a violation of the trust of their congregations. That I think is what is most disturbing. It gives us a window into the mentality of the people who are in power of the Southern Baptist convention <laughs> They don't treat their offices as though they are servants of God and of the kingdom. They're acting as though the Southern Baptist Convention, the money, the audiences, the platforms belong to them. And so it's a question of, oh, I'm not offended that he stole my sermons. Well, it's not about you, J.D. Greer. It's about God and it's about the people. Is that a fair assessment, Alan? How do you read it? No, I think that's exactly right. They betray... In this case, Ed Litton betrayed the trust of his church by passing off this as sort of his original work. And some mm -hmm. of these things, he's telling stories that were personal to J.D. Greer that uh, as if they were his own. It's just right. it's, it's the wrong way to be. It's manipulative. Um, 
And it's just, again, you've also mentioned it's it's dishonoring God. You're supposed to be someone who, as a pastor, who delves into the Word of God, who tries to explicate that and ex- just make it gra- the people able to grasp it. And if your eight-man study group's best idea is to re-preach a sermon J.D. Greer did, well, I think there's something wrong with the method that you're using. Right. Now, I came out with an article because I'm going to be doing a whole series on the Southern Baptist Convention called The Total Depravity of the Southern Baptist Convention, because I think the only way to understand what's happened in this denomination is to turn to the Calvinist idea of total depravity, whether you're a Calvinist or not. The idea of total depravity is that uh, humanity exists in such a state that they are so far gone, they are so wicked that the, the only thing that can bring them back is an intervention from God. And that's the only thing we can pray for, that God does something, some act that is so divine and powerful that it can actually uh, shake everybody out to their foundations because the denomination cannot self-correct. That, that's kind of what I've been working on. Now, I look at Ed Litton's statement, and there were four things in it that I think uh, made his situation worse and also prove the point that this is a denomination that is totally depraved and cannot self-correct and can only change if God strikes a fear into the heart of everyone through some disaster beyond anyone's control. Uh, The first thing that Ed Litton said was that it wasn't totally his fault because there's a team of eight people who work on his sermons. And he tried to imply that because there were nine people who write his sermons, that it wasn't really totally his fault because the content didn't just come from him. And that to me is very disturbing uh, on a number of different levels. Uh, It's not clear to me why this pastor, uh, Ed Litton, thinks that he deserves the position of head pastor. And I'm sure he is well paid. Uh, People tell me that his Instagram feed shows him traveling and living a very glamorous life. So he's well compensated. What is he getting paid for if he's having his staff who are supposed to be dealing with all of the paperwork, keeping the lights on, paying the bills, balancing the books, organizing the children's daycare and, uh, you know, organizing the vacation Bible school and, and doing all of that important work that they have to do. And then on top of it, they have to write the sermons for a man whose job is to write sermons. I think that that is, it's an abuse of people's funds. It's its an abuse of his position of power. This is not the way that Jesus Christ told us we are supposed to treat one another as Christians. He said, do not lord and dominate over each other the way the Gentiles do. You have to be a servant. And so I think that itself is a problem. It's also a problem because that seems to look a lot like an arrogant university professor who puts his name as the first author on research publications when in fact they're having the grad students do all of the data and actually even draft the copy. So I think that that in and of itself was, it just got him deeper because it shows what's wrong with the Southern Baptist Convention. We have a lot of people who are in power who have a distorted, almost a perverted sense of why they are in power, why they are supposed to be getting the pay that they receive, and they don't seem to be accountable to anyone. The fact that you would, with a straight face, say, oh, my my 
sermons were plagiarized, but it's really the fault of these underlings whom I've never given credit to, who are putting together my sermons all the time, even though I'm the one who's making in the big bucks and I'm the head pastor. How do you read that passage about the nine-person team? And he doesn't mention them by name. Is that correct, Alan? He just sort of says there's there's nine people in his church who put together the sermons. How did you read that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a bizarre way to study. Um, most people uh, mm-hmm. will do a Bible study in a group. However, in mm-hmm. terms of preparation, something, whether it's writing an academic paper or whatever, people mm-hmm. like to do a, that work on their own because there's, mm-hmm. there, you're going to be dealing with the uh, um, ancient languages mm-hmm. or things like that. So I thought it was a kind of a, a bit of a bizarre process. Um, and it's also... It made no real sense in terms of, again, the committee's best idea was to re-preach a J.D. Greer sermon. I mean, come on. There are better options out there. Adrian Rogers. I mean, come on. At least mm-hmm. something that's a little bit older than uh, than Greer. But I think it does go to the celebrity culture that we're permeated in now. And you raised a very interesting point there. These church pastors in a lot of these larger churches are living a lifestyle is kind of shocking. They travel all over these places. Uh, in for, you know, they fly first class or whatever. There's there certainly is no vow of poverty amongst uh, most of these Protestant evangelical uh, mega church pastors right. or anyone that's onto the circuit. And for Ed Litton now, um, you know, he was the favorite darling, the candidate of the North American mm-hmm. Mission Board. He was Kevin is. Uh, candidate. They did everything they could to get him elected, and they flew him all over the country, it sounds like, because he was at some SEND conferences on the out toward the West Coast, and mm-hmm. I think in Florida, well, early in this campaign. So they did everything they could to promote this guy, uh, and I think it, I, I really think we have to look at that very closely, to understand mm-hmm. what's going on in the SBC. It's about power and it's about money. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. 
You know, when I was in the midst of the conflict at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I was trying to follow the Matthew 18 method. So I was dealing with this provost who had uh, come from Southern and they were spending all of this money to redo one of the houses on campus so he could live in it. And I was just your run of the mill professor that he was trying to drive out of the campus. And I showed up with two of my friends who were pastors who were just small town Texas pastors who were alumni of that seminary because I wanted to follow Matthew 18. And they came with me as my witnesses when I went to have this meeting because the provost had made a lot of uh, threatening overtures towards me. And they sat there and in the meeting, and you can actually hear the tape because I tape recorded it. It's available at enemieswithinthechurch.com. I I said, you know, this seminary doesn't belong to you or me. It belongs to these two gentlemen and people like these two gentlemen, people who came here, who paid their tuition, who got ordained out of this seminary and are now running churches for the Southern Baptist Convention. And you can hear on the tape what that provost said. He said, this seminary does not belong to them. I was hired to be the provost here. And he didn't say it belongs to me, but that was basically the implication of what he said. That is the pro- one of the biggest problems in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, there's no sense of boundaries. There's no sense with the people in power, and this goes across every entity. You talked about Kevin Azell. We can talk about him till the cows come home. You can talk about the missions, Lifeway, the seminaries. All of them have the same problem. The people who are in control act as though these things belong to them. They act as though the money belongs to them, the buildings belong to them, the publications belong to them. And so they do exactly what you're talking about. They hire their friends. And there's no meritocracy. And that's not biblical because it says in the Bible that you should not show partiality. Jesus Christ said that you shouldn't show partiality um, and you shouldn't have unequal weights and measures. So it shouldn't be that some. And also remember that Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians that we are all given particular gifts. So if Ed Litton is not given the gift of composing original sermons, he should not be the lead pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying, Alan? That it's unbiblical on every single scale. And it's unbiblical for people who are his friends to push him not only to all of these conferences when he obviously he needs to be spending that time developing his skill of composing sermons. If he can't compose original sermons, he needs to be on his church overseeing the people that he has told to to write the sermons for him. And uh, not only are they pushing him to all these conferences, but then they pushed him on the entire Southern Baptist Convention, 47,000 churches. Um, And this is not a man who God has given the gift of composing original sermons. He does not have enough of a command of the ideas and the biblical interpretations to be able to even just preach to his own church, let alone to lead our convention, when there are all of these controversies about critical race theory and abortion and homosexuality and whether churches should close during COVID, what are the biblical answers to those uh, problems, to those crises? I don't think that he has the gift or the ability to come up with an answer. And yet, because of all of these people pushing him through partiality and nepotism, now he is in a position, I think, to not decide anything, I think other people are going to be deciding for him and he'll do whatever his handlers tell him to do. So that's frightening because then the, even the messengers who in good faith voted for Ed Litton at the conference, they didn't vote for what they thought they were getting. 
Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prepper All Naturals, where beef meets freedom. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Do you know what I mean? He had been misrepresented to them. They thought they were voting for someone who really had the mental capacity and the spiritual gifts from God to be able to lead people and articulate what the biblical answer is to to the life challenges that we have. That's certainly how J.D. Greer presented him to the world. And now they were lied to because actually he's not somebody who's been anointed in that fashion. Is that how you would read the situation, Alan? What do you think? Well, one of the things, one of the first thoughts I had uh, about Ed Litton when it, it dawned on me um, on that uh, Sunday and Monday prior to the convention mm-hmm. that, wait a minute, this guy could win. It hit me. His candidacy was the Southern Baptist version of Joe Biden's candidacy. Yes. <laughs> he, they, they, sold, they sold the SBC a bill of goods. They pretended he was a moderate when that, you know, that in terms of Biden, they pretended Biden was moderate when he was very much a rabid liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, he has diminished mental capacities and all of these things. It, well, Lytton is sort of the Southern Baptist version of that. He's a likable guy. That's how he comes off. It certainly is in contrast to the other candidates who are in the race. I'm not saying they're not likable, but, but Lytton's kind of got that kindly – uncle, grandfather type of thing. Um, and so he was disarming to people. So it, it hit me, this is this is the Joe Biden type of candidate. And uh, people were fooled because I, I've had it relayed to me that people were set going walking around saying, well, we can't decide whether we're going to vote for Moeller or Lytton. And you just scratch your head. This is how uninformed many of the people were. Mm-hmm. They they have the other the the two real conservative candidates in the race, Adams and Stone, 
Um, and, and even Moeller would have made more sense for most people than than Litton. Mm-hmm. Litton certainly was woke. He um, he had run as a uh, as a mm-hmm. really a, a, rope, a woke candidate. Uh, so he he his the 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 entire candidacy was a fraud, and we find out now he's a fraud as a pastor. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it really is a question of fraud. And I, I'm seeing on Twitter, it's very disturbing. Bart Barber, who is someone who has done many things in the past that lead me to conclude that he, he has a serious ethics problem um, because he has a habit of always, um, you know, waging all these political battles behind a veil of, of, of righteousness. It's, it's really, really infuriating. But he was on Twitter going around saying that while he doesn't agree with what Lytton did, Lytton shouldn't resign because uh, plagiarism doesn't violate the Baptist faith and message, which is uh, such a completely unchristian response to this. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Everything I just told you about the way they have handled Lytton is unbiblical. It showed partiality. He was not measured with the same weights and balances of other people who had greater talents than him. It's clear that they were trying to push someone who had not been anointed with the gifts that they were expecting of him, that that voters were expecting of him. So this was a huge dishonesty to everybody. And quite frankly, his liberal views, while I don't agree with them, those aren't as important to me as just the fact that they had to engage in such dishonesty to put this person, to force him onto the convention. And, you know, what what really uh, I draw from this when I see how he has over 45, he admittedly had over 45 videos that he had to review because a lot of the content was taken from someone else. This is somebody who does not have the intellectual fortitude to come up with his own ideas. So where are his ideas going to come from? They're going to be handed to him. They're going to be given to him by people who are handling him. The people who put him in power are basically going to be dictating to all of us which way the Southern Baptist Convention goes. And that is very frightening because that is not what the people voted for. As you said, they they were sold a bill of goods and that's wrong. Um, And that opens up to another issue that came up with this, because I think this plagiarism issue opens up the window into so many of the problems in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'd like to talk about the guilt of J.D. Greer in this. And I'm wondering why people are not bringing this up more often. I did see uh, Terry Green commented on this on Twitter. She was noting the fact that Greer, it it does not look good in all this because it is not appropriate for someone who's been given that very weighty, important role of a pastor of a large church and the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. It doesn't look good that he is claiming that he just gave someone permission to misrepresent himself to his own congregants as the author of something that he didn't write and he didn't compose himself. Uh, That is not right because J.D. Greer cannot give someone else the permission to sin. He can't give someone else permission to lie to his congregation. He does not have that kind of power. Okay, so people who are involved in the Southern Baptist world, we have to understand this, that this is depraved. This is perverted. The way that this is all being run is God has delivered us over to a depraved mind where people think that J.D. Greer can give Ed Litton permission to sin and to deceive and to defraud the people that God has entrusted them 
with. That is just, it is sick. And I'm wondering why people are not looking closer at J.D. Greer's role in this. Why is he not coming under the same criticism that Lytton is? He's escaping much of it because he's out of office. Um, there may mm-hmm. be some uh, things there. And uh, there's right. always the group always have the thing that he can always say. Well, I didn't know he was going to truly say it, use it word for word. So I just said he could study it and utilize it and build something around it. And that would have been OK. So Greer always has that level of plausible denial. And he's out of office. Litton's the guy, you know, there's a much higher burden on him mm-hmm. and people are naturally going to hold him to a higher standard. So right. what he's doing right now, again, the, 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 the plagiarism was in the past, although Justin Peters found some plagiarism in the Sunday sermon, but putting that aside, plagiarism was, right. was in the past. The lies were this week. Mm-hmm. I think focusing on that no way you can say a pastor who, is lying to the Washington um, has not got himself. And going to what you mentioned about Bart Barber's comment, it was shocking that his whole argument was it came down, or it boiled down to, I don't like what Lytton did, but I don't want the Conservative Baptist Network vice president to become the president. So his whole argument was a consequentialist ends justify the means kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see win so Lytton doesn't need to resign that's hogwash well and it's it's depraved and Bart Barber was an ethics and religious liberty commission fellow he was a trustee of southwestern baptist theological seminary he's the pastor of his own church and he was on the resolutions committee this year this is sick that somebody who would would use this logic is in a position of leadership not to mention that Candy Finch, you know, she brought up something about, I, I don't want to get into all of uh, that necessarily, because I, I, I want to make sure I would have all the facts with me in front of me. But it, the fact that you have someone who was in a leadership position like that, uh, who abuses the platform that he has t- to completely distort the, the morality and the logic and even the reasoning behind the Baptist faith and message, I, I just think that that is, it, it is demented. I mean, he, he said in one of his tweets, well, you know, it doesn't really matter because the presidency doesn't have that much power. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't really do that much. Well, if that's the case, then why is he so concerned about the conservative Baptist network gaining the office of the presidency, number one? And number two, if if all of these positions didn't have that much power because the Baptist churches are supposedly so independent, then why is he occupying so many positions? Why doesn't he go home and pastor his own church? It doesn't, it's really strange, uh, the, the logic, but it's not unexpected. And it's not something that the Bible failed to warn us about. The Bible never failed to warn us that this would happen within the church. We knew that this was going to happen. Um, and that's where, uh, that's where the Southern Baptist Convention is at. It's, it's very uh, disturbing. Now, I do want to also talk about the content, particularly of the Romans, uh, sermons, because I think this also gives us a window. It's I, I don't think that the controversy would have boiled over this hotly if the plagiarized sermons had dealt with something like John 3.16, something that, it, you know, is so completely 
uh, accessible to everyone. You know, John 3.16, God so loved the world uh, that he, you know, he gave his only begotten son uh, for those who believed in him. You know, that, that that's something, if you were to give a standard sermon like that, and then maybe you had the same jokes and you had the same tempo and you had the same lines, I think that probably people wouldn't have gotten as outraged. But the actual sermon, the first one that came to light, the one that Ed Litton plagiarized about Romans 1, was so strange. The theology of it was so uh, specific and bizarre. It was, uh, John, uh, you know, J.D. Greer, if we just look at this objectively, he gets up there and he tries to argue that uh, Romans 1 shows us that the Bible only whispers about sexual sin. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. And then he draws the conclusion that it doesn't single out homosexuality, uh, but actually uh, the people who are really most uh, to be worried about this are the people who are involved in in religious materialism and the, the wealthy and powerful people within the church. This is completely at odds with Romans 1. And in fact, in the sermon that J.D. Greer preached, there was something to the effect of heterosexuality is not more favorable than homosexuality, which is ridiculous. Romans 1 talks about the fact that you can see what God intended for us by the way that he designed um, our physical creation. And then he goes from there to using homosexuality as the example of people who, without any excuse, fails to understand the design of what God created. So it's it's clear that God intended heterosexuality and didn't intend homosexuality. So the 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 sermon was so twisted and it was so specific that you have to wonder how is it that that anybody would have come up with that and then that someone else would uh plagiarize it and not notice the absurdity in it. I think it brings a lot of worry because it makes me go back to the historical record of what was being said by people like Matthew Vines. Do you remember Matthew Vines, how he was trying to bring all of this theology from earlier theologians like John Boswell, and they went went over all of the so-called clobber verses, 
like Romans 1 and uh, Genesis 19, and they had a theological argument for each one. And they would go, they spent, they got a lot of money to do this. They would go from church to church and they would present their theological argument, their strategy of how to massage the sermons to downplay the anti-homosexual content in these things. So I am left with a very sneaking suspicion that I, you know, I don't think that J.D. Greer really composed that on his own. I think that there was a third party that has mass produced the talking points and that has been working very actively to build these strategic partnerships with pastors so that they can implant this propaganda into the sermons. And that makes the whole thing so much worse because that makes you realize that even if you just want to write off the seminaries and the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and Lifeway, the problem is that this corruption, this financial and perverted corruption has reached the level of your local Baptist church. And that is so chilling. And it makes it feel like none of us have any grip on this. Uh, You know, you feel completely lost as to how to even roll it back. You know, I mean, what what reason could you come up with, Alan, for the strangeness of that sermon and the fact that that sermon was not only delivered by one person, but then plagiarized by another? Well, I think that it is clearly a sermon that's designed to please the spirit of the age rather than to faithfully explain what the word of God says, what God has given to us. Uh, explicitly is that homosexuality is a really big sign of when we've when we've gone astray and the um, fact that J.D. Greer says well the Bible whispers about that is absurd Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress the pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas Texas responded to that um and we did a story on what he's what he how he took uh took jd greer's thing apart mm-hmm. um uh, star show and i think it's um dr jeffers was a hundred percent correct it's just um an absurdity uh, we know that the only reason that it's become an issue now because for two thousand years of church history it's been uniformly considered um, abnormal, wrong, mm-hmm. extraordinarily sinful. It is in a special category, and it's one of the big lies that um, evangelicalism has told itself or been told since the night, I don't know, the certainly since the 1950s, that all sins are equal. Well, no, they're not. Right, all and certainly not Romans 1. That's definitely not the message of Romans 1. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there, there's a very specific reference in that chapter uh, and it is such a cha- an important chapter of the book, uh, you know, I, but I was being exposed to this when I was in college in the late 80s and early 1990s. I just can't believe how rapidly that theology spread everywhere. Now, uh, Phyllis Combs Anderson says, I have been noticing that most all pastors are speaking on the same message on Sunday in the churches. So none are studying on their message with the Lord before services. Bingo. Thank you very much, Phyllis. That is absolutely what I think this indicates. So this points to a much deeper crisis than just one man's plagiarism. This forces us to confront the reality of mass-produced sermons, of the fact that pastors are being hired and placed in positions when they do not have the anointing of God. They do not have the spiritual gift 
that they need to have in order to be pastors. We are putting people in pastor positions because of considerations that come from the world, because of nepotism, because of favoritism, and we are blocking from the pastorate so many gifted, talented people who could do that work and who have received those gifts from God, all right? But they're not being placed in the in the pastor positions, and this is all a disgrace before God. God said, do not show partiality. God said you should have equal weights and measures. And the word of God says that different people have different spiritual gifts. And why do we have Lifeway uh, mass producing the Bible school, the Sunday school guides that everyone seems to be all working from at the same time? Why do we have companies that will mass produce sermons so that uh, you have hundreds of different pastors who are all using the same method, asking the same questions to the congregation, using the same gimmicks, etc.? cetera? Um, the lack of originality is not just an editorial or cosmetic issue about, well, they need to work a little bit more on their style or something like that. It actually reflects the fact that we are dishonoring God because we are discriminating against the people that God actually did give these gifts to. And we have a lot of people in the pastorate who are not qualified. They're not anointed to be there. This points to a problem with the seminaries. So I want, Alan, if you can speak to what is going wrong with the seminaries and the mission boards, because what role do those entities play in getting the pastors in the positions where they end up uh, being stuck, having to come up with something on Sunday, not having any of their own ideas, not having that gift from the Lord, and then having to turn to some outside source to give them a mass-produced sermon. What is the role of the mission boards and the seminaries? Well, I think there's one thing that we can see um, certainly in terms of trying to relate to the Cults and Religious Liberty Commission, uh, they would mm-hmm. react to a, a political event or a social event and put out some talking points. And then you would find lots of pastors regurgitating that stuff um, shortly after. I also, I also think the seminaries have been turning out a group of people that are more hero worshipers mm-hmm. uh, rather than pastors. I think there's a, a that's one of the biggest problems in evangelical culture in general, and I think it's been become even more so coming out of these seminaries right now. So I think that's one of the reasons we get people who are not really trained in the way that previous generations of pastors were. And there, well, we, I, a, I think but, I can I can tell you that being on the inside, having been on the inside of the seminaries, we're not churning out curious people. Okay, Mm. we're not churning out uh, graduates from the seminaries who want to go there and get to the deep answer of what the Bible says. We're churning out graduates who have flattered their way up the system because people who are really, truly uh, driven and want to get to the truth and are not going to go by what the world says, but they want to go by what the Lord says. Those people are driven out by somebody, you know, who's in charge of the seminaries. They want yes men. They want worshipers. They want uh, company men. You know, they want fanboys. That's yeah. what that's what they go for. And you have uh, professors, you know, even a lot of the ones, the professors that I used to work with or that are at other seminaries that are now all over Twitter. And you see that they get, you know, 500 likes from some stupid tweet that they put up there. Um, that's the kind of culture that that is producing our present day seminary 
graduates, if you are someone who questions uh, the the seminary, if you question uh, the other entity heads who are friends with the people who are running the seminary, you will not graduate from that seminary. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They will drive you out. I'm, I, I'm on the phone constantly with people who have been driven out of the seminary, um, who've been targeted and harassed and bullied. And often students are, are harassing them and they're doing it in conjunction with the administration and the faculty because we've become a cult. And we've become a cult of personality. And you have someone like uh, Al Mohler, who's been the president of Southern for 27, going on 28 years. You have Adam Greenway, this man who, you know, his minions like Colby Adams, they go around and they police what everybody is saying publicly. There's no freedom of speech. It's, it's, I mean, literally when I was at Southwestern, at one point they called me in and they said that I had to run every single public statement that I wanted to make past Colby Adams, and he would have the right to say whether or not I was allowed to say that. And they told me to lie. They said that if a reporter contacts me and and asks me to do an interview, and then I go and I, I turn to Colby Adams and I say, am I allowed to do this interview? And he says, no. The dean told me that I should ask Colby, how do you want me to communicate that to the reporter? You know, it's that's... That it's absurd. There's no freedom of speech, so there's no curiosity. I mean, you're weeding out all the people who would be the best to be, who would have original thoughts, who would be really well connected with the scripture. And so I think people are graduating from the seminary, and even when they get into the pastorate, they're still in that mode of having to copy what somebody else says. That's how you ended up with somebody like Ed Litton. I mean, am I reading this correctly, Alan? What do you think? I think it's you've hit on something there about how uh, that this kind of type of culture of authoritarianism in the seminaries. It's very similar sounds to me uh, from stories I heard about the uh, independent fundamental Baptist seminaries um, a few years back. If you if you hear st- students who had gone to Bob Jones or Pensacola Christian College, a lot of them would tell stories like if you don't do exactly whatever and if you don't uh do everything to please the leadership they will persecute you and then other students will join in and it all becomes a pile mm-hmm. on right. the only way to get ahead was to um kind of conform to exactly what they wanted well in the situations of what we're seeing in southern Baptist, it goes back to that 11th commandment the company men type of thing um, it's all about keeping the cooperative program dollars flowing. It's big business. So, yeah, in many regards, that's how we got Ed Litton, someone who is mm. not qualified point to be a pastor. He's SBC president. 
simply because Kevin Nizel, who controls a $125 million a year budget, was willing right. to do the work to get him elected. It comes down to just that fact. Plus, only like 12% of Southern Baptist churches bothered to send messengers to the annual mm-hmm. meeting in, in Nashville. So this is why, right. how things happen. They exploit well, the... Yeah, no, I think, okay, I wanted to just pick up on what you said, because um, Ed Linton is a graduate. He has a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then he got his PhD at Southern Baptist. Is that correct, Alan? It's his uh, Doctor of Ministry uh, at Southern. at Southern. Uh, And then he was, you know, he was very much tied into Kevin Ezel, who's the president of the North American Mission Board. They're the ones who go out and plant churches. So they have a lot of the power. The the seminaries give you the little piece of paper and they connect you with everyone who's going to help you get into the pastorate. And then the mission boards are the ones who who then feed people into the churches. Now, they're, they're mostly focused on planting churches, but they have a lot of power to get people into pastor positions. And so uh, what this has become, it's become a game of who is best connected with the people running the seminaries and running the mission boards. And if you cross them the way Will McRaney got on the bad side of Kevin Ezell, then there, there are consequences to your career. And the problem for the kingdom is that it's the we're making the decisions about who gets to pastor churches and who gets in those positions according to whether people in charge of seminaries and mission boards like them, not over whether God really wants them to be in that position. And that is, it's a major crisis. And I think that this plagiarism issue, this now makes this upfront and clear so people can see it right in front of them. This is what it looks like. This is what total depravity in a Christian denomination looks like. You have someone who has been put through this sausage grinder. They have ended up in a position that is completely a a poor match for them. They have nepotismed and flatteried their way all the way to these high positions, and then they can't come up with a Sunday sermon. Now, Greg Olson brings up Uh, He brings up some great things. He says, the second part of Romans 1 talks about the heathens who have denied God and therefore received God's wrath. Um, And then Romans 2 goes after those who claim that they follow him. All have sinned and all um, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, and also there is no one righteous, not even one. Okay, thank you very much, Greg. And I, I, I very much appreciate your point that it's definitely, we don't want to say that anyone is uh, free of sin. It's certainly not the case that just because you're heterosexual, you're not free of sin. That that kind of goes without saying. That's an important thing to remind ourselves. But at the same time, Greg, the, the thing that you have to remember about Romans 1 is that it does speak very specifically about the problems with homosexuality. Uh, and, and it has a long bunch of other sins listed in there too, but it gives a quite a bit of attention to the, the problem of homosexuality in Romans 1. So we cannot read that chapter and say that it doesn't. I mean, you have to go by what the text says. That does not mean that then you're going to say that everyone who is not a homosexual doesn't have any sin. The problem is homosexuality is a sin, and someone that is practicing homosexuality is practicing sin, and it's something that they have to deal with. And those sermons were trying very much to minimize that part of Romans 1 because they were that was the end process 
of a decades long effort to try to, um, you know, edit that out. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, Greg Olson also has another comment. Let's see what he says here. He says, where does the balance come making your own sermons, but also using wisdom from other pastors who have made good points? Is it just a matter of making sure to quote them? Um, I, Alan, you can speak to this. I'd like to be able to say something to that. Is, is that okay, Alan? Um, uh, Greg, I think that there is a balance. You use the word balance, and I think that makes sense. I think that you definitely, if you are a pastor, that is your job. Your number one job is to share the word of God with your flock. Now, you also have to do things like officiate funerals and do hospital visits and marry people. You know, you're a leader of that community, but uh, one of probably your most important job is to share the word of God, to feed your flock. Um, So I think that you need to be in the word and you need to be prayerful and you need to be connecting with the Holy Spirit in order to come up with those weekly messages. And that's not happening if, in fact, you're just downloading notes from someone else. You're skipping the whole process of of prayer. And unfortunately, uh, if, let's say, Ed Litton had done that and had been honest about it, if he had told his congregation and told the world, I'm basically going to deliver 46 sermons, which I downloaded off the internet, that would be one thing, but he was not upfront about it, which then makes us have a question about, you know, is this somebody who really can be trusted to lead the flock? Does he have enough of his own original ideas so that when he's confronted with a question that needs a biblical answer, is he going to be able to come up with that answer himself? Or is he going to be telling someone to just hold on while he goes and YouTubes or Googles the answer? I think the balance has to be that you can draw wisdom from other pastors. I think that you can uh, draw from the spirit of what they say. Sometimes you may draw from an idea without necessarily quote, you know, citing them directly. Of course, if you're using their actual words, as happens in Lytton, you should absolutely quote them and acknowledge where that came from. But also, I think that this was excessive on Ed Litton's part. He needed to be doing some of his own sermons. This was too much of just uh, basically taking a data dump from somebody else. Alan, how would, how would you answer Greg's question of where does the balance come in making sermons? Well, and I also want to say that I think it's probably more than the four or five sermons we know of right now. And we right. don't know how many years total this was going on. So that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. I, I have it on pretty good authority that it's been going on for many, many, many years. Now, I'm not saying that that means, I mean, how many, who knows. But what, one of the things to keep in mind there is if Ed Litton had said, these words, uh, there's some great words I want to share with you today from a pastor I respect, J.D. Greer, uh, who preached this sermon. It's been on my heart. I need to share this with you. He says it better than I can say it. But that's not what he did. He specifically misled the people listening into thinking that it's his words. This is what he gleaned from God's word in his own study. And I wonder how many of the people in his you know, church uh, they would have been fine with his little disclaimer. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure, but... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Again, if you're using someone else's words, it's best not to. Uh, particularly, I think when you're using stories and illustrations that some of them seem kind of personal to, to, to J.D. Greer, it just seems wrong to tell them yourself. Um, it's better to say, hey, I heard this great illustration and then use that explaining it where you heard from. It takes two more seconds. It's not that complicated. But again, if it, so a lot of the reaction to this by pastors were, well, it's no big deal. It's, it's, we're all in this together. We're all pastors. We're trying to share the word of God. Well, okay, assume for a moment that's true, um, and that's your goal. You just want to try to find the best way to explain something. Okay. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new spirit park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Hey, why lie about it afterwards? Right, and I, and, and, yeah, and I think that the pastors who are coming forward and saying, "Oh, this is no big deal," they are just a, a, a reflection of the depravity of this denomination. You, it is not acceptable that people think that this is normal. Um, you know, well, when when you place a pastor in a position with a congregation, you are not a hologram. You are not a pretty face uh, who's just there to sort of show up and look good in a suit. You are there to be a real flesh and blood person who is a leader, who is a part of their lives. And so when you are standing before them and sharing the word of God, it should be something that's personal, uh, you know, that there should be a personal touch. And it's not healthy for us to have mass produced sermons where there are tons of people who are just sort of in a rote fashion, delivering, you know, content that was de- developed somewhere else. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Alan? say, I really like your description, the total depravity of the Southern Baptist convention, because um, look, I'm not a Calvinist, not reformed, but the thing that I think Calvin got right was under of human nature. It's depraved. It permeates who we are. And that's one of the reasons when you look at the Southern Baptist Convention, you will see the, the, the nature of humanity 
clearly on display with all of the manipulations that you get in any type of political organization where there's large amounts of money at stake. And that's the, the, the sad reality is that the church is filled with people who love lucre more than they fear God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of them I don't necessarily think are driven by greed because I think of all of the hangers-on, the people who cling to the powerful mega pastors or the rock star pastors, and through thick and thin, even though they're not, they're underpaid, um, and even though uh, the people treat them really kind of poorly. I mean, some of these pastors sometimes they'll use these underlings and they'll carry them from assignment to assignment and then dump them. And, and you know, and you know, then you have situations like people who cling at when at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I know of people who were there who were uh, total Patterson fans until Patterson was gone. And then they tried so hard to ingratiate themselves with Adam Greenway and Adam Greenway still fired them, you know, made them sign a non-disclosure agreement and then gave them a little bit of time uh, with uh, to, to get pay to, to patch them over to their next part in life. But it's, it, it's not lucre in that case. There is an even, there's something even more pathetic to it that that people are so afraid of losing the prestige or the comfort or the institutional honor of being affiliated with these people that they care about that more than serving God. And and that yeah. is, is also part of it, too. You know, it makes sense. Uh, there's a status there that people crave um, in some of these things. And so they'll endure whatever. Um and I think that there's there's a there are you're right there are going to be a lot of different motivations for people to endure and and the celebrity culture makes it really um, easy to exploit people. Yeah, I think that that that's another thing is that we're attracting a lot of people who are um, afraid, uh, who are are really uh, who don't feel like they can um, live or survive outside the church, and that's understandable. We live in a very cold, anti-Christian world, and I'm not saying that the world outside is 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 going to be great, okay? Uh, but the problem is, if you are afraid, and if you're clinging to your job or you're clinging to membership in your church because you are scared of what the alternative is, then you're going to end up not being afraid of God. You're going to be end up being afraid of the institution rejecting you. And then that because you're living in Romans one, which is, you know, that's what happens in Romans one, where they, they forget that God is the one that they have to be grateful of and reverent towards. And then they start honoring other things. I just wanted to mention that Greg Olson said, uh, I totally agree with your point too. I wasn't disagreeing about Paul's emphasis. Yeah, thank you so much, Greg, for that uh, that uh, clarification. Yeah, that was pretty much how I, I took what you said. I just the the reason why I added a little bit of a clarification there was I, did, I wanted to make sure people uh, didn't walk away with the, the wrong idea. But yeah, I, I got you, and I'm I'm really grateful that you joined and uh, contributed these these thoughts to us. And feel free to to add anything more to it. Um, uh, Alan, what, what, did you have anything more that you wanted to say about uh, what this sermon gate uh, exposes and tells us about the situation in the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I think one of the things, and we, we've kind of addressed it, uh, but I think it bears particular emphasis right now, are the people who are enabling Ed Litton um, to stay right. in a position of authority. Um, 
mm-hmm. when uh, after this because they don't want the conservative Baptist network to have the presidency. It shows that they're willing to compromise on any issue of morality for political power. And I think right. that's really, really important. And it should really up people because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a very cynical move they're making. Um, mm-hmm. If plagiarism is, you know, not disqualifying, what sin does? Adultery? I mean, mm-hmm. he's not the pastor of the SBC. Why would that do it? So if they make an allowance for lying and plagiarism, mm-hmm. what else can we use in the SBC president? So I, I think mm-hmm. that's particular emphasis right now. We need to be looking at these pastors that are enabling this behavior and hold, and their churches need to hold them accountable. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a good point. And like I said, uh, on, the Lord hates unequal weights and measures. He hates hypocrisy. And many of the people who are rushing to defend Ed Litton and to say that he does not need to resign uh, were, they did not show this grace to Mike Stone. They did not show this grace to Paige Patterson. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Okay. If you were going, and and let me tell you something. I want to talk about the sex abuse issue because Jennifer Lyell posted something on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, Alan. Um, she is one of the, these people who has gotten a lot of attention uh, for her uh, allegations about uh, sexual abuse going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. She came forward and she she said, on behalf of sex abuse survivors, we should uh, cease and desist from criticizing Ed Litton because Ed Litton was elected so that he could uh, take care of the sex abuse problem. And they want the investigations to uh, be carried out before people can criticize Ed Litton over plagiarism. Now, let me just respond to this, Alan, okay? Um, And this is something that's very personal for me and it's very painful and I hate to have to bring this up, Um, but I am a sex abuse survivor, all right? I am a sex abuse survivor. I survived 15 years of sex abuse in many different uh, forms, Uh, you know, and it, it, it weighs on you for your whole life. And it was a big part of the reason why uh, I was forced to leave Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary because they did not feel comfortable with some, but with a man writing about having gone through that much sex abuse. And they did not want to get entangled in an argument with the gay community that they were not prepared for. See, they're prepared to talk to the gay community about sin and being delivered from sin. They don't know how to deal with the crime that the gay community covers up quite often, okay? Because there are crimes, the, the gay community is not different from other communities. They have their uh, their people that they protect. They have their ugly realities that they don't want people to talk about, okay? Um, so I wrote about that. Uh, and I have not just been someone who goes around whining about what happened to me. I have worked very hard and Alan can uh, support me in this. I have put resolutions in every year for three years in a row to the convention to try to address this structurally, okay? Uh, I I put in a resolution to defend reparative therapy or conversion therapy, whatever you want to call that, because for same-sex abuse victims, this is a very important issue. One of the things that happens when you are a same-sex abuse survivor is you often have a question about your sexual identity. So these bans on conversion therapy are anti-survivor. They they 
they bring more abuse upon people who have survived sexual abuse. Okay. That I also put in one to try in 2019 to fight against non-disclosure agreements and to fight against retaliation, because that's a major part of how sex abuse is covered up. And then I put one this year about the, the need for transparency, the need for the finances to be opened up, the need for, um, you know, all investigations to be conducted in a way that the whole community of Southern Baptists can keep an eye on these things. All of those resolutions were shot down. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those issues that I was trying to deal with in those resolutions, those are vital to deal with. If you don't deal with those, you're not going to be dealing with sex abuse if you know what I'm saying. Um, so for Jen Lyle to say that in on behalf of sex abuse survivors, we need to not worry about transparency and not take a, a proactive position on trying to rein in people who are uh, not being transparent, people who are deceiving people, people who are hiding uh, things from everyone. All of that contributes to the problem for sex abuse. You can have an investigation of the cases that already happened. And a lot of these investigations that Jennifer Lyle and other sex abuse survivors are calling for, they happen to be very politically specific. They're only asking for conservative people who are enemies of their friends to be investigated. And they will never investigate Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I've even brought other cases uh, before, and they just, no one will ever take those up because Adam Greenway is seen as an ally of these professional advocates of the sex abuse industry. It is completely, it is, again, it is depraved uh, for people to say that somehow in the name of sex abuse survivors, you should defend um, Ed Litton and not investigate what the heck was going on with him and J.D. Greer and their uh, their dishonesty before the people. Because if we can't trust them to be honest about delivering sermons, how the heck are we going to trust them to be honest in conducting or overseeing an investigation into sex abuse? What evidence do we have that they will be forthcoming if there is evidence that one of their friends is implicated in some of these things? And, you know, Rachel Den Hollander, she likes to talk about independent investigations. Look what happened at J.D. Greer's church when there was an independent investigation. J.D. Greer's church hired the independent investigator. Um, you know, Julie Royce had a, an article on her blog saying that that's not really an invest, an independent investigation. Uh, is that what's going to happen here? Or, or is, is Ed Litton going to hire the independent investigator and then pick who's going to be investigating and pick who they will be investigating? That doesn't sound like that's good for sex abuse victims. That sounds like that's going to perpetuate the non-transparency and the, the, the culture of retaliation that actually makes sex abuse much worse. Uh, what, what do you say to that, Ellen? Well, I think that if they, they should be wanting uh, to have someone leading and appointing a committee for investigation that uh, actually has uh, a track record of integrity. That's not Ed Litton. 
So if they really want some, uh, an investigation that would have the moral authority to mm-hmm. um, carry through reform, they need another president. Unfortunately, uh, they're more committed. A lot of these people are more committed to um, a political narrative than um, doing the right thing. Ed Litton should not be overseeing anything at this point. They know it. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're not going to do the right thing because, again, it, for some reason, the narrative matters more than. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And well, and I think it's terrible for sex abuse survivors, male, female, gay, straight, you know, sex abuse survivors, I think, suffer tremendously because of of all of this corruption in the whole discussion. Uh, let's mm. face it. OK, with the number of people who were sexually abused and just to give you a sense of the scale we're talking about here. The the Houston Chronicle came up with, what was it, 700 cases over 20 years. The Boy Scouts came up with 12,000 cases. Okay, so there's a lot of sex abuse out there. Um, And uh, not every single person who is sexually abused is going to get the benefit of having a large-scale investigation into all of the things that they can bring forward as evidence of their abuse because there just is not enough, there are not enough resources to do that. So what we do when we focus entirely on investigating cases that have already happened is you end up having a few select cases that get all of the attention. And why do they get the attention? Whereas other people don't, it's often based on politics. It's who their perpetrator was, it's who their friends are, it's whether they are photogenic or whether they are a captivating personality for the screen. None of that is good for abuse survivors. An abuse survivor should not feel like, oh, you know, I'm overweight and unattractive, so no one's going to care about my story. You know, that that is not healthy. So the way to approach this is, especially as a Christian denomination, you have to change the culture you have to prevent future cases and you have to create a culture of openness where people can come forward as a general rule so that in the future you could deal with these things in a way that's transparent and ethical. Um, and you have to go by the gospel. The gospel frees you from that kind of abuse through forgiveness. And that's something that's missing from this entire thing. The, the way that I was able to overcome what happened to me was I got I had to get over it. I had to forgive what happened to me. I had to forgive my family members that were involved in, in, in some of the reaction to it. That was, uh, that was very, very traumatic for me. And I had to get to the point where I would put my energy into helping other people to not have to go through that. That's where you have to get your energy. But so much of what's been going on with this sex abuse discussion is there are handpicked people who become very famous. Their stories take up all the attention and they become celebrities who are so focused on their own case that they, they will run roughshod over other people. I mean, Alan, you and I were on Twitter and we were having a, a difficult exchange with one of these people who is a very high profile abuse survivor advocate. And she basically described what happened to me as, oh, that was must have been a bummer, but I can't help you. Uh, you know, um, it's it's that is not in the abuse survivor community that I've been involved with that that crosses a line. You you don't behave like that. And this is what we've seen because I've been involved in these discussions for decades. And this is what we've seen with 
some abuse survivor advocates who become so full of themselves and so such big celebrities in their own right that they actually end up becoming a part of the problem and they inevitably inevitably end up giving cover to abusers, other abusers, because those abusers didn't abuse them. So that that I, I just want to bring that up because that ended up being thrown into the debate in the last couple of days because Rachel Den Hollander and Jennifer Lyell tried to get all of the attention back to sex abuse. You know, Rachel Den Hollander releases a letter from 2002 about Ronnie Floyd and uh, this Catholic bishop. It had nothing to do with anything, but obviously they're tr- they, they want to change the topic quickly because they're trying to protect Ed Litton. Um, I'm looking at this objectively. I absolutely do not want to protect Ed Litton because somebody who lies about 45 sermons or who is dishonest about that um, is not someone that I think I can trust uh, sex abuse survivor testimonies with, or, and I don't, I don't trust him to be able to appoint a committee to deal with this. And I don't trust him to be able to give a biblical message to, to help people who have survived that. I think that's a very good point. He's he's shown himself to be untrustworthy. And if you really want reform, you really want transparency. Right. It's, it's not the guy who hides 143 sermons at the first uh, sign that there might be possibly something wrong. The, they uh, A lot of the political talking points in this mm-hmm. entire saga has been, you know, well, Ronnie Floyd this or that. You know, look, has he handled everything perfectly? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask yourself, why are they so intent on destroying Ronnie Floyd? And I, I think that that's a question that we really need an answer to. Is it that is it for the sex abuse stuff? No, I doubt it. I think there's more to this. I think it's highly political. Um, I think that uh, some people want to, to to get him out so they mm-hmm. can get another person in there and make completely dominate the SBC. So I think a lot mm-hmm. of what we're do we're seeing there is totally political. And um, Ed Linton's part of this uh, cabal trying to uh, transform mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Convention. Well, and Greg Olson brings up a point. You can go after people like Paige Patterson and Jerry Falwell Jr. for sins, but not Lydon. Absolutely, uh, Greg. And I think that whether it's abuse survivors or people who get mistreated at their job or people who get fired and defamed or they suffer defamation or they suffer spiritual abuse or they're um, put through the ringer and bullied in these entities, all of these different people all suffer when we have people in leadership who are not uh, qualified. Uh, when we have people in leadership who are deceitful and more after power than after serving God, when, when people lose sight of the Bible, we all of these different victim groups lose out. Racial minorities who suffer racial discrimination, they don't benefit from having someone like Ben Litton in charge of, or I'm sorry, Ed Litton in charge of racial reconciliation. You need people who are going to do things by the book and by, by the book means by the Bible. They, they, you, you need people who are going to be honest and forthright. And it does not make sense to show partiality to say, you know, um, uh, Mike Stone uh, speaking in, in a supposedly flippant manner to a victim is so um, that's that's the end of the world. But then Adam Greenway and Colby Adams uh, treating me the way that I was, where I was lost my job for writing about sex abuse, that's okay. And by the way, Colby Adams got on Twitter and said that I was a liar and making up crazy conspiracy theories about him and Adam Greenway. And you know that that's how 
sex abuse survivors are treated when they're not part of the of the favored class. You know, um, when your perpetrator or the person who was doing something mean to you is an ally and it's not politically convenient to make them into a boogeyman the way that they did with Paige Patterson and Jerry Falwell Jr. Certainly Jerry Falwell Jr. and Paige Patterson, you know, if they did something wrong, then, you know, people should hold them account if, if that is, in fact, what happened. I mean, I wouldn't put them on the same plane. I think those are two very different cases. But, yes, it's, it's it, you know, you, you should hold them accountable, but then investigate everybody. Don't don't have one standard for Paige Patterson and then another standard for Ed Litton, you know, if, if that makes sense. I think that's right. And I think uh, the double standard is always there because it's right. always uh, highly uh, tribalistic. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we ended now is that there are uh, factions and I'm not sure how you actually heal that. Because uh, in the SBC, because there are very few people who want to uh, do the uh, do the right thing on the various sides of the uh, issue. It's it's yeah. highly political. Well, listen, you you've been in the fight longer than most people, Alan. You know, you're one of the really faithful warriors on all of this. Uh, you know, you're just someone that I really look up to in terms of the fact that you've been fighting this for so long. Do you think that this sermon gate, this controversy over plagiarism, does it have enough legs to really get us to the kind of reforms that Randy Adams was talking about in his campaign? It it's it's uh, it has the potential, um, mm-hmm. but it's going to require uh, people to be committed. It's going to require people to put pressure and do the right thing. There's a high level of complacency. If, if people want reform, they're going to actually have to demand it. They're going to have to start mm-hmm. shutting down cooperative program giving. They're going to have to make the effort to get to Anaheim and uh, mm-hmm. deny Litton re-election because I don't think he's going to resign. Um, I think he's going to, feels like this will all blow over. But uh, the truth is, I think there are a lot of sermons out there that people are going to be learning mm-hmm. about. And I, I just don't know how as since we we know he's done this repeatedly and he's proven himself a liar because he lied to the Washington Times, I don't see how he survives because every action he takes should be repudiated by the people of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but they can do it if they want, if they will hold people accountable, if they will make the effort, speak the language they understand, which is money. Mm -hmm. Then we will see the entity leaders come up because I, I think that that's really the only way it's going to take someone like Al Mohler to come out and say, hey, plagiarism is wrong. I've looked at this. This is inappropriate for a pastor and president of the Southern Baptist Commission. It's going to take that kind of thing. And and he and he needs to resign. He needs to resign. Yes. I, I, you know, and I, I think there has to be a pressure campaign to have J.D. Greer resign as well um, from his. This was dishonest, and and uh, uh, the, it, it's really it is it is in conflict with what your duties are as a pastor. And I don't have the power to make anybody resign, but I could say that that's what should happen. And and hopefully maybe there are people out there who can mount that kind of pressure campaign. I want to close by saying that we're going to have more discussions about the total depravity of the Southern Baptist Convention because we've just scratched the surface here. But if you are out there and you are worried about what's happening with the Southern Baptist Convention, I just want to speak straight up to you. Uh, 
the idea that you're going to withhold uh, cooperative funds that go to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, but you're going to continue funding the seminaries or the missions, uh, that doesn't really work right now. Every single part of the entities are corrupt. They're all being run by the same clique of people. Uh, you're not um, really going to accomplish very much by continuing to fund the seminaries, but then withholding your money from the ERLC or from other things. Uh, the state conventions all have a lot of problems because they've all been infected by the same people. And now, as you see in these sermons that were delivered at local churches, very often local churches have been drawn into this web of distortion and corruption. So uh, you're going to have to be very, very tough with your money. Um, you know, if you do have a good pastor and you're in a good congregation, you have to consider withholding all of it. Um, you, you really do, because uh, these people are not going to give up power. They're, they're not, they're going to pull every single parliamentary trick you can possibly imagine to uh, prevent anyone from getting in power and actually authorizing uh, true scrutiny of their books. They're not going to open up the books so we can see where they've been spending money. We're never going to know uh, what all collusion went into all of this. We'll never get to the bottom of the sexual abuse cover-ups with these people in power. Uh, so you're going to have to uh, do things that will force people out of power. And the way to do that largely is to cut off the money. Um, Alan, do you have anything to add to that before I let you go and ride off well, into the I, I sunset? Do this holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. I do think money is the only language most right. of the people in upper echelon of the SBC understand. Um, you have to give a certain amount of money to uh, qualify uh, for uh, messengers. So if you're wanting to reform the SBC, you're going to have to give some minimal level. But this was one of the things that during the conservative resurgence was discussed. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches gave the bare minimum or they gave it to a specific seminary or program or Lottie Moon to pay for missionaries overseas. There are things you can do that are very targeted to make sure you can go, uh, but you do need to kind of pursue a dual strategy, um, not uh, restricting giving uh, through the cooperative program is, is one way to speak a language that will quickly get their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, also, too, if you uh, you need to invest some bit of your church's money in getting to Anaheim, that mm-hmm. that's where the next election is. And that's where you're going to have to stop everything that's going on by the woke faction of the mm-hmm. SBC or the convention is completely lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, OK, you bring up a good point there. I mean, maybe there has to be some organized way of uh saying we're not going to give money and you still have to let us go to the convention. I don't know. <laughs> Just show up in big force and refuse to leave the premise. I'm a big candidate of saying every single penny you give them, it's going to end up in the wrong hands. I can't think of, okay. Like, so if somebody were to say, look, my church, we, we, we do, we don't want to deny money 
to causes that are really good, that have been doing a good job the whole time, that I know are not under the power of wicked people, where should they put that money? Well, look, I, there even even the International Mission Board had that diversity training that they scuttled once it was reported widely. Mm-hmm. Right. There are lots of problems. Look, I've heard lots of problems about the IMB too. But you can always do the Lottie Moon offering at Christmas to help pay for missionaries overseas. Mm-hmm. That's one way to do it. And if you want to take that money that you would give to the cooperative program, what there there are other good seminaries out there. I think Mid America, where the vice president of the SBC right now sits, who is a man of color, who mm-hmm. the white woke folks are preventing from becoming <laughs> president at Lytton. Right. Um, you know, that's a place you could give. Uh, it's not through the cooperative program. Just give that money. You would give the, the CP, give it directly, give to Lottie Moon, and you'll have your messenger slots and you can go to Anaheim and protest vote. And they will mm-hmm. get the message. They see, that CP giving go down. There, mm-hmm. There's just some options. There are other things you can talk. People can talk it over, strategize, but um, it, there needs to be some sort of effective uh, method right here to register uh, disdain for what's happening because uh, Ed Litton is a disgrace. Yeah. Well, also the last thing I'll say, and this is, I promise this is the last thing I'll say before we go off. Also go out there and and look up who has been blacklisted or shunned or, um, you know, exiled. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook, et cetera. Reach out to those people and bring them to your church and have them give uh, a talk uh, instead of just turning to the list of speakers that have been approved by your state convention or by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. You know, um, show support to the people who have stood up to the people in power up until now. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, The Big Brown Gadfly will be back up soon because we're going to be doing a whole series on the Southern Baptist Convention. I want to thank everyone who joined us and who created the comments. And thank you so much, Alan. And I'm going to keep an eye on your website, Alan, not alanatchison.com. I'm sorry. It's capstonereport.com. That's where people can find you, right? That's it. And I appreciate you having me tonight. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation. All right. Thank you very much. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark.